Good morning. It is good to be together this morning, isn't it? Amen. It's looking out, I see a lot of new faces, so I'm guessing that we have a lot of family here this morning. Um, I know my family's here, and, and I'm thankful for that. But I can't tell you how special it is to me to be gathered every Sunday with all of you. It just means so much. And so this morning, we get to gather together, and we get to have the kids in service, um, and we get to make much of who our God and King is. If you don't know me, I'm Joel Fair, and I'm the operations director here at Cross Point Coast. Um, if we have met, then you may know that um, through, through our story that my family and I live in Cape Canaveral. We feel like God has called us to plant a city in our church, and so we look forward to that opportunity. We're preparing for that. We're looking forward to you sending us and us being the church there in our community there um, in a couple of years. That said, what a joy and encouragement to have Matt Helmantiller here last, last week. Um, I, I hope you guys were, were blessed by the word that he brought. I know I was. I was really encouraged. And to see him being sent out, proclaiming the gospel in Palm Bay, I was pumped. I was really excited. So I, I'm looking forward to that and us sending more people out to go and proclaim the gospel. Um, and we do it every week in community groups, smaller versions of, of what we're doing here where we declare who God is and we get to rejoice together. And so it's just great to be gathered together. Um, we're praying for Bayfront Village Church, uh, the Helmantollers Church in, in Palm Bay this morning. We're, we also get to pray with Cross Point Espanol, who's, uh, they've already launched, they've been running for a little while, but now they're in a new building this morning. Um, so they've got some new setup and some new different things going on. So I just want, when we get to the time of prayer, I'm going to pray for them. But I want you to know that Cross Point Espanol is getting ready to, to celebrate for their first time in their new facility. And, and we just want to pray with them and agree that, that lives will be saved. People will be changed. That God's going to show himself to be faithful. And so uh, we have that to look forward to. Um, this morning, we're going to be uh, shifting gears a little bit. We're going to be outside of the book of Acts, but we're not going very far. We've discussed that Acts, Acts, the book of Acts is Luke's second volume of the story of, of who Jesus is and, and what he did and how he's planting the church after, after the ascension of Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit coming and empowering the people. And the Gospel of Luke looks at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So this morning, we're going to be in that first volume in Luke chapter 5. So you can go ahead and, and turn there, find Luke chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible today because you brought your scripture journal that we've been investing in and that's all you have is X, uh, I apologize. But the good news is we have Bibles in the seats, um, so you can grab one of those blue Bibles. Feel free to make it yours, to underline in it, to write in it, to uh, circle some things, manuscript, whatever you want to do. Probably not tear pages out, but if that's what you feel like you need to do, take the Bible with you. Um, this morning we've talked about it. Kids, what a joy to have you. This morning as we're reading through Scripture, if you come across a word you don't know, feel free to ask. If you are having trouble understanding something, ask the, ask the person sitting next to you. Adults, if, if you just happen to be sitting by a kid, whether it's yours or not, feel free to answer their questions. Right? Lean in. If it gets a little loud, that's okay. I believe that God is calling us to make disciples wherever, whenever we're there. And that could even happen in the middle of a sermon. So feel free to lean in and talk to the, to the child next to you. 
find Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. Maybe you've been here the last couple of weeks, but I want to recap um, this, this sermon series that we have titled Witnesses. Uh, we've been going through the book of Acts. We've read and remembered how the disciples had been told by Jesus to wait for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter to come. And so they had waited together, but they hadn't waited passively. They waited intentionally. They waited devoted to prayer and to the apostles' teaching. And we looked at how after their waiting and after their praying and their crying out, the Holy Spirit came. He came in an awesome way. Kids, if you don't remember, there was fire, there was different languages, there was all kinds of things that happened that were supernatural, and yet it all pointed to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. After those things happened, those awesome, miraculous things, Peter stands up and he proclaims the gospel of Jesus, that it's only through him that we can be saved. And so we looked at the boldness that they proclaimed that gospel. We've read several speeches and sermons by the apostles, seen a radical transformation of the body of Christ. Last week, we saw that they came together and they had everything in common. They met each other's needs, that they loved each other selflessly. What a beautiful picture of the church. And it's a beautiful picture of God's church today, too, how we continue to love each other, to give up everything that we have for the sake of the gospel. We leverage those things that he may be known. And yet, even, even after these powerful things were happening, the disciples were still committed to the ordinary means of grace. They still prayed together. They still read scripture. They still had fellowship. They celebrated communion. And so they went on with life, and they shared the gospel and everything that they did. So this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, and we'll be looking at these same disciples, those same disciples that were boldly proclaiming, that were, that were shouting Jesus' name, Right? They were healing people by the authority of Christ so that they would know that the, the truth that they told was, was from God. But these first disciples, they're a little different. So let's go back and let's look at what they're doing um, when he calls them and, and how they follow him. Everybody ready? All right. Luke chapter 5. I'll read and you follow along in your Bible. Verse 1 says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But, Simon, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your providence, for your sovereignty, for your plan, 
We thank you um, that you are establishing your church through the work of your Holy Spirit, and that this morning we have the opportunity to participate. We have the opportunity to read. We have the opportunity to declare and proclaim. We have the opportunity to confess who you are and who we are and what a great Savior we have. Pray that we would do that this morning. Lord, I pray that you would be with Crosspoint Espanol um, in their new location, that you would uh, give them peace, that it would be a celebratory morning, Lord, um, and that you would be with Miguel and Carmen and, and the rest of the partners there, Lord. I pray for Jeremiah and Sandy and the other Crosspoint pastors who are at Spanish River this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give them a time of refreshing and encouragement. And uh, I just thank you for your grace, Lord, in, in supplying that opportunity for them. Pray for the others that are traveling. Lord, we know that there are partners within our congregation that are traveling over the next couple weeks and months. And so we ask that you would be with them, Lord, that you would give them boldness to proclaim your gospel wherever they go. Even in the midst of uh, recreation or work or, or rest and vacation, that they would feel um, compelled to boldly proclaim who you are. Thank you for the partners that are in nursery this morning. God, pray that you would uh, give them encouragement, and strength, and patience, and kindness, Lord. God, we pray for Bayfront Village, for Grace Point Church, Lord, for the different churches and organizations that we partner with this morning that are declaring the gospel. Lord, we ask that people would be saved this morning, and we ask that this morning you would remind us again of the joy of our salvation, of knowing Jesus, that we would sing loudly your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we said earlier this morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus portrayed in the Gospel of Luke, and we're remembering how he called the disciples. It's the same disciples we saw in Acts that have been boldly proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus. And the passage begins in the first couple of verses of Jesus teaching to a crowd. If you read most of the other stories leading up to this point, they begin with Jesus teaching. Jesus taught wherever he went. There was times when he taught in the synagogue, which was like a, a church for us, and he would go and he would preach and teach there. Or there were times where he went to people's houses where people were sick and he would teach there. There was uh, a, a demon-possessed person that he proclaimed the gospel to. There were the religious leaders that he proclaimed the gospel to. There were the sick and the poor that he, he proclaimed and taught to. And so that's a consistent theme throughout all of Jesus' life, is the teaching and preaching and the proclamation of him being the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And so this morning, we see him ask the disciples to put out a little bit in the boat so that he can teach to the crowd. key is not that he is teaching. The key is what he is teaching. For us, uh, it seems like it's not that big of a deal, but for the time, it was pretty radical. If you turn back one chapter with me and look at chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus says to the religious leaders, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, Jesus is declaring that he is the fulfillment of the whole Old Testament. All of those things pointed to a coming Messiah, and he's claiming to be that Messiah. That's a pretty big deal. It's radical. It's, it's a different thing than what they have heard when they were at synagogue before. 
He proclaimed that he's a savior that has come to give liberty to the captives. He's come to give sight to the blind. He's the anointed one who proclaims the good news to the poor and the favor of the Lord. These are bold words. Jesus is teaching these things to establish his authority as the son of God. See, Jesus understands his identity as the Messiah and that he's been sent for a purpose. And so he teaches and proclaims the good news at all times and in all places. Jesus had communion with the Father and understood his role. And so he, he entered into that identity and he walked that out in his life. And we'll see that shortly he's going to call the disciples into that same, same proclamation, same identity. Let's pick up in verse 4. So he's been teaching from the boat. Verse 4, he comes in. When, they'd finished, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. All right, kids, this is the fun part. Simon, James, and John, and the other disciples with him had been fishing all day. Can you guys imagine fishing all day? Has anybody ever done it? All day. I knew it, Noah. That's, you, I told you, I had you in mind for this sermon, bud. He was fishing all, they were fishing, actually they were fishing all night and begun cleaning their nets. So they fished all night and now they've moved on to the part where they're cleaning their nets. As a fisherman, uh, you know it takes a lot to call it a day. You're always thinking that if I could just try one more bait, if I could throw a lure instead of a, a bobber, if I could try this or that or maybe switch up what I'm doing or maybe if the sun goes down a little bit more or the rain comes, that it's going to change the fact, and I'm going to be able to catch some fish. So to, for them to call it a day, having caught nothing, they're done. They're, they've, they've tried everything. <laughs> they're tired. They're beat. Now they're cleaning the nets. Once you've begun to clean up at that point, you just want to be done. I've, I've caught some fish. I've cleaned some fish. It's not fun. You smell like your bait. Okay. And unless you're fishing with peanut butter balls, it stinks, right? It's either squid or it's clams or it's dead fish or dead shrimp. Worms, gross. Who wants to smell like that, right? But now you smell like that and all you want to do is be done. But you got to clean the net so that the next day you can go and do it. On a good day of fishing, when you clean up, you clean up with a smile, right? You're excited because you caught something. You've either got the pictures to prove it, you've got dinner on the plate, or you've got a great story to tell. Right, Noah? Mm-hmm. So we've got this, this smile because we're cleaning and we've, it's been productive. But on a bad day, on a bad day, if you haven't caught anything, the cleanup is drudgery. and You just have to press through. And that's where we find the disciples. They hadn't caught anything all night long. And they aren't just casting a lure or watching a bobber like we fish. They're throwing out nets and they're hauling them in and it's backbreaking work. And they've been doing it all night. It's not for them sport or fun. For them, it's their livelihood. Their, their families don't eat if they don't catch fish. This is what they do for a living. This is their work. Everything depends on them catching fish. So after a long night of no fish, they could have been dejected. Tired, cranky, upset, 
Maybe even a little upset with God. I didn't get any fish today. What does Jesus call them to do? He calls them to go out again. He says, go out a little further into the deep water and put your nets out again. Try one more time. And let's look at Peter's response. Verse 5, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. We see in Peter's response a recognition of the circumstances. He doesn't just gloss over them. right? We, sometimes we think prayer or, or obedience is just ignoring what's going on around us and doing whatever we feel like God's calling us to do. So Peter, he doesn't ignore what's going on. He, he states the fact. We tried all night. Like we put the nets out over and over all night long and we didn't catch anything. But then he says, but, but at your word. You see, Peter understands some of the teaching of Jesus. See, he understands that maybe if this guy is the Messiah that he says he is and all these people are following him so much that he wants to put out in my boat so that he can teach them, there's got to be some, some truth to what he's saying. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. At your word, I'll put out my nets. He understands that Jesus has authority and he responds to that authority in obedience. Not sure that we understand authority the way that uh, people in this time understood authority. When someone in authority would tell you to do something, you did it. You were obedient. We... We tend to balk at authority. We want to do our own thing, and yet Peter is obedient. And so what happens? What is the result of that obedience? Nothing short of a miracle. Let's read verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. We're not talking a couple fish. We're not talking a good day. We're talking more than they could even imagine. Guys, can you imagine a lot of fish? Kids, can you guys imagine a big pile of fish so much that these huge nets that they were bringing in began to break? So they have to call their buddies over and and get the other boat? Keep reading. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now we got a different problem, right? We got the fish, (laughs) but, but we don't have a working boat. So they've got so many fish that they fill both boats to overflowing. That's a miracle. That's amazing. That defies logic. It doesn't make any sense. They had done it all night long. And Jesus spoke and he told them to go and put the nets out one more time. And they bring in these fish. That's pretty awesome. As a a fisherman, that's a dream come true right there. And as fishermen whose livelihood depended on them catching fish, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of provision for them and their families. So you can imagine that they were just in awe. They were probably excited, a little scared because now the boat's sinking. All of these things are going on because they were obedient to what Jesus told them to do. The purpose of this miracle is twofold. Think. Maybe threefold, but I got twofold for you this morning. The first one is to show the authority of Christ. 
that he is divine. He's divine. He's the son of God. He is who he said he was. When he said, I came to fulfill the scriptures, this miracle that defies logic and everything else that's going on is his way of saying, I am that man. I am the God man. The son of God who has come to redeem the world, who's come to bring the good news to the poor. It's also a good gift. So the purpose of the miracle is twofold, to declare who Jesus is and also to give a good gift. Our God is a giver of good gifts. The gift of fish is more than the disciples could have imagined. We know that because when we read down at verse 9, it says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Astonished means struck with awe. They couldn't believe it. That was amazing. Again, because this is a livelihood and not simply a recreational hobby, this catch has the ability to provide for their families, which is every, every father and, and husband's dream to be able to provide for their family. And so these, these guys are getting this great gift given to them. And it's awesome. It's miraculous. We're not sure what a normal night of fishing would bring in, but we know that the idea of filling both boats to the point of sinking was enough to astonish the disciples. But let's go back. We, we looked at nine, but let's go back to verse eight because we need to see Peter's response to what to this miracle. Verse eight says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In recognizing Jesus' divinity, um, in recognizing him and seeing him as the Son of God, Peter can't help but recognize his own sinfulness. This miracle of Jesus leads him to repentance. A true encounter with Jesus points to our sinfulness in light of his holiness. If we see Jesus for who he is, if we see God for who he is and all of his holiness and all of his power and all of his might, his ability to, to over creation, we will recognize he's God and I'm not. I'm a sinful man. Peter recognizes this and he attempts to hide and cower, even asking Jesus to go away. Isn't this what we do? We hide and sometimes we cower in shame. We pretend and perform hoping that if we maintain the facade long enough, whoever it is who's making us uncomfortable in our sin will just go away. But Peter also offers us a right response. So first, we see that just his humanity, his frailty, but he also responds in a correct way. He, he says the right response is his acknowledgement of his sin, right? which points to a need for a Savior. It's not until we recognize that we need Jesus that we're truly going to understand who he is and how much he's done for us and how great and amazing he is. We have to hear the, the bad news before the good news is good. And here Peter sees it. He recognizes, I am a sinful man. And right in front of him is Jesus, who is the promised Savior and fulfillment of Scripture. 
Look at the second half of verse 10 as we're reading. Jesus' response to Simon, he says, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. See, the only one who can say that and mean it is the one who, can do, who has the power to do something about it. As friends, often we try to console one another and say, it's going to be okay, right? Don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. And yet we don't have the power necessarily to change the circumstances that that person's in. We, we know who does. We trust God to do it. But we don't have the power. But if the one who does have the power to save and to change circumstances, to, to put fish where there were no fish all night long, that man has the power. And if he says, do not be afraid, we can trust that. We can rest in that. You see, Peter knew he was a sinful man. He knew he deserved the condemnation of, of failing. And yet Jesus tells him and those with him not to be afraid. As the one who had come to earth to be the atonement for the sins of God's people, Jesus knew that Peter's sins had been washed away. Jesus knew it. And so he could tell him, do not be afraid. In John 17, verse 24, Jesus is praying that, um, for those that he was sent to save. And he says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. See, even from the foundations of the world, it was a plan of God to send his son to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of all who would recognize him and cry out to be saved. That they would cry out to Jesus and he would save them. This is the gospel of Jesus. And it's the good news that he came to proclaim. That Messiah that you have read about, in the Old Testament, that you have prayed for, that you have longed for, that you have anxiously awaited. I'm him. I've come. I'm the Savior of the world. That's what Jesus is saying. And so this is the proclamation that he makes all the time to anyone that's with him. He's teaching and preaching the gospel. So after calming their fear and giving them hope, right, that he can change the circumstances... He tells him not to fear. Now he's going to give them a new purpose. You have to hear the bad news before you can hear the good news. You have to hear that you're a sinful man and realize that you need a Savior. But then here's the good news. You are saved. Jesus Christ has come that he's died on the cross for our sins. And so we hear that good news. And then it requires something from us. It says, from now on, you will be catching men. Kids, when we read that, you will be catching men, what do, you, what do you think of? I imagine the disciples were a little confused at that point. They didn't quite understand catching fish until now they have fish up to their eyeballs, right? And now he, God's saying, not only are you going to catch fish, now you're going to go and catch men. From now on, they're like, we just started catching fish. You're going to call us to go catch men? In my house, I think about my son who likes to try to catch people. He sets up traps for his sisters or any unsuspecting parents that might happen to walk through them. I think about that when, when and maybe that's what you thought, when, when Jesus tells Peter, you, from now on, you will be catching men. 
Or maybe your thought was like the disciples, and maybe it was, I'm going to need a bigger net, right? Who knows what they were thinking, but they were probably a little bit confused. And we see it later on because they don't get it for a little while. They go with Jesus, but Jesus still has to be really patient and long-suffering and kind with them because they still ask some questions, and Jesus is just like, man, you guys just don't get it. So probably at this point, they haven't gotten it. And yet, Jesus calls them, from now on, you will be catching men. So whatever their thoughts, pretty sure they didn't grasp it. But they did hear the call to something different. And they probably felt like it was going to be something that was great and and good because they had just seen Jesus fill their nets with fish. And so Jesus is calling them, to become disciples. They don't, they don't know it at the time, but he's calling them to go with him, to proclaim the gospel, to reap what he has sown. And so Jesus calls them. He does two things. He satisfies both their tangible needs, right? The fish. He meets their need for that night. But he also supplies the need that they have for an identity and a purpose. He gives them something to believe in, to go and to be to participate in, to be part of. <clears throat> but he also demanded permanent and irrevocable change. You see, we see those words from now on. It doesn't give us an out. It doesn't give us, well, for the next 45 minutes in church. It doesn't give us, well, on Sundays, I'm going to do this. It doesn't even give us, well... Okay, celebration, service, community group. Those are, the, those are the times. No, he says from now on, at this point, there's a change that happens, and you're not going to do the things that you used to do, but now I'm calling you to a greater purpose, and you're going to go, and you're going to catch men. And we, we get to see it because we've read the whole story, or we had the opportunity to read the whole story, And we see that what he means by that is this discipleship process of growing and loving and becoming the church, of plunging the depths of deep doctrine and and understanding, having right theology, knowing who God is, reading his word, praying together, all of these things that we've seen in Acts that they're doing. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's calling them to. There's another instance in Luke where Jesus clearly demands a change. He's demanding our whole life, but he promises himself. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. So a couple pages to the right. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. And I want you to read it with me. I'll read and you follow along. It says, and he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. You see, we're invited to come, to deny ourselves, to take up the cross, and to follow Jesus. 
There should be a turning point. Something should be different because the, the words from now on means that something has changed. So in our lives, if we know Jesus, we should be different. Our lives, our words, our time should be spent glorifying him and proclaiming his gospel. I like to sing, I like to belt songs. If if you've been around me when we're singing in church, I'm sorry, I sing really loud. Um, Some of the songs that I sing, when we sing them, like that song Rejoice, when I get to that, I just want to belt it, right? I'm so excited about what God is doing and I want to rejoice. I want my whole life, I want our lives to be that belting. Right, that, that loud proclamation, that loud singing of who Jesus is because he's done something magnificent and amazing. This one's not really one that you can belt, but I came across this hymn, and I really think that it puts words to some of the thoughts. As I'm, as I'm looking at Jesus, I'm looking at the disciples' response. The, the song is an old hymn by, uh, is a hymn by Fanny Crosby that says, Take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abideth ever through eternal years the same. Oh, the height and depth of mercy. Oh, the length and breadth of love. Oh, the fullness of redemption, pledge of endless life above. Take the world, but give me Jesus, sweetest comfort of my soul. With my Savior watching o'er me, I can sing though billows roll. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Let me view his constant smile. Then throughout my pilgrim journey, light will cheer me all the while. And this verse, take the world, but give me Jesus. In his cross, my trust shall be, till with clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. This is Peter, and he's, and he's seeing Jesus in the fullness of his glory for the first time. And he's in awe, right? He's astonished. It leads him to his knees in a place of repentance, And he's crying out, I am a sinful man. And here's Jesus with a smile and an embrace. And he calls him. He says, don't be afraid. Trust me. And so Peter's song, take everything else. Just give me Jesus. We hope for the day when we see his face. I know it will happen. He's coming again. He's promised that. But often we struggle to believe this truth and we invest in this life in our wants and our desires. Today, we have his Holy Spirit inside us, empowering us, changing us, changing our hearts so that we long to follow him. You see, the greatest miracle that happens in this story is not the abundance of fish. And there's a lot of them. There's, that's, that's amazing. But the greatest part of the story is the last verse in verse 11. It says, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They had all this fish. They had the means to take care of their families. They had everything that that they, they had wanted the night before when they were fishing, trying to earn the ability to take care of their their people. And yet they leave all of it. They leave the gift that God had given them because they saw the giver and they saw that he was better. We sing that song, Jesus is better. 
Is it true? When we sing it, do we really believe it? Will we leave everything and follow him? So that's, that's the challenge this morning. I don't know what leaving everything looks like in each of your circumstances. Um, you, you don't even know. You, you, we ask God, we say, God, what am I holding on to that, that you would say go or that you would say come and follow me? And, and I just like these lesser things. So our prayer this morning is that we would leave those things behind, that we would leave everything and we'd follow him. Let's pray. Lord God, we know that um, it's only by the power of your spirit that you can uh, change our hearts to make this desirable. (coughs) Excuse me. God, we want our own comfort and joy and pleasure, and yet you've called us to much more. You've called us to a new identity, a new purpose. I pray that this morning that there would be um, some that would be saved by hearing the gospel, by hearing you calling us to something different and something better. I pray that that some of us that believe that um, we are chasing after you would look at our lives and say, yep, there's that point, that from now on point. And God, I just pray that we would rejoice in that, that that you've done something in our hearts to make it true. Lord, and maybe some of us haven't, don't don't look back and don't see that. And I pray that you would uh, just stir conviction in our hearts, Lord, that our lives would be different because of who you are, that we can't be the same as we were yesterday. That we would go and we would live out and proclaim boldly this gospel, knowing what you've done through your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for your grace this morning. We thank you that it's, uh, it's a command that, that also isn't now go, but it's now come and follow. Go where I go. And so, Lord, you lead us and you go with us. And we get the comfort of knowing you. God, in some of the places you go are hard, and I pray that we would, we would be fearless in that, that we would go where you go because of our love for you. Pray that you would stir that affection in the hearts of our children this morning. God, that they would know you and love you. That you would uh, remind us again of the joy of our salvation. We thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen.